Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Yeah, guys, welcome, welcome back to uh, our third uh, message of the Biblical Finance Series and our last message of this series. Okay, and real quick, I just want to say thank you to Noah Anthony. He made all my slides for this, so, yeah. I owe him lunch. We talked about it, but um, anyway, they're, they're nice to look at. Um, okay, so guys, we've, we've looked at quite a bit in these last two weeks, right? Like, we fit a lot into these, these two sermons. Um, so, if, if this is your first time, like, being at Kaya, or maybe you're a part of Kaya, but you were out the last two weeks, or even one of them, I encourage you to go back and listen to the two prior messages, because they all kind of build off of each other, and they've, they've landed us where we're at today with our, with our final message. Okay, so, um, again, if I don't know you, uh, my name is Nick Hatton, and uh, it's nice to meet you. Welcome to Kaya, the College and Young Adult Fellowship at Midtown Baptist Temple. Um, we're happy to have you as a guest today. <clears throat> so um, very, very, very brief recap um, of, of everything that we've covered in the last two weeks, okay? So we, we started off uh, this, this series by talking about how the world differs in their use of finances in contrast to how followers of Jesus are instructed and ought to use their finances, okay? So we talked about that in terms of what God tells us to prioritize in our spending. We looked at all, a lot of scripture about what God says we should be spending our money on first. We looked at a bunch of scripture about uh, savings and what God has to say about that. We looked at a bunch of scripture about investing and what God has to say about that. And then we also looked at some stuff or a lot of scripture about the topic of debt and what God has to say about that. We've looked at all these different areas, right? And in addition to that, we talked about some other things like um, how the value of, the, of money is determined and um, what, what sort of spending patterns people operate to uh, as they go about using their finances on a, on a day-to-day basis. And then we looked at all the warnings for these topics as well that we see throughout Scripture. So again, we, we've covered quite a bit. We've got a lot of information here, okay? So the question now is what do we do with all that information, right? Um, yeah, we want to we want to know how to make this you know this information useful in our lives. Do we not? We want to make it a a, a reality. We want to want to see God's word be a reality in our daily lives. And and the answer to to that is it's it's not a super complicated answer. Is it's it's related to the topics that we're going to be covering today. Is we have to plan for it. We have to budget for our finances, uh, and we have we have to operate with our finances from a place of monetary contentment. Okay, these are, the, these are the things that we have to begin doing in order to make these things a reality in our lives. Instead of reacting to our finances um, on an unplanned day-to-day basis, uh, we should become proactive with our finances, right? Which is something that we don't oftentimes see the world doing. Um, and we also don't see Christians doing it with great regularity either. But we should become proactive with the instruction that God has provided to us in order to minimize the possibility of being tossed to and fro in our finances on a daily basis, because that's exactly how you get off track. You, you allow yourself to be tossed to and fro. Okay, so um, 
This is what we're gonna be talking about today. These are, these are the ways that we can make these things actionable in our lives. So um, I'm gonna pray, and then uh, we'll, get, we'll get right into the message, all right? Um, God, thank you for today, Lord. God, I'm just grateful for the last uh, few weeks here and just the opportunity to, to share these studies. And um, God, I do pray that we would, we would use them, that we wouldn't just let it be information, that we wouldn't just let it be something that we, that, oh yeah, that's this, you know, this is, that's great to know, and, but that we'd actually apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that it would, it would, it would change our behavior. Uh, I pray that we would not use it with like the mindset of I'm gonna make this the best possible situation for myself either, but, but God, I, I pray that we would, we would steward our finances and all these things we've been talking about since spring retreat, that we would, that we would steward these things well for your glory. Um, and I pray that we would uh, be intentional and earnest to do that. Um, so God, be with us today. I pray we'd have ears to hear what your, your word says about these topics as it pertains to finances. And uh, yeah, Lord, I just pray you'd get glory from it. So um, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. <clears throat> so um, we're gonna start off by talking about planning. And before, um, before anything else gets said this morning, I do just want to start off by, by saying that planning for stuff, for things, and for outcomes is a biblical thing for any follower of Jesus Christ to be doing. Planning for things is biblical action that any of us can be taking. Now, there are certain things that we absolutely cannot plan for, right? We can't plan for certain things. We can't plan for, for unplanned sickness, um, we can't plan for natural disasters to take place. We can't plan for sudden loss of a job like we talked about last week, um, car issues that come out of nowhere. We can't, we can't plan for these things to, like, to, 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 the, to the very last detail. We can prepare ourselves for these things, but we can't plan for them outright. We can't plan for pandemics, right? Like We all learned that over the last few years. Like It's hard to, you know, things come up and they, they come out of nowhere. Um, Humans, the human ability to calculate risk is, it's in a lot of ways nearsighted, right? We can only see so far off. Um, now, we could become people who are obsessed with being prepared for every single absolute, like every, absolutely every situation and every outcome to all of those situations, right? We could do that, but for that person, it would be really difficult to argue that they're not operating from a spirit of fear, you know? Um, so... Uh, let's, let's start off by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, okay, which, which says this. Many of us know this verse. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, uh, I'm sorry, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Okay, so God tells us that fear should not be our motivation to plan for things, right? That's not what should motivate our our, uh, our willingness to take part in planning. We don't, we don't plan from a state that's controlled by fear as Christians. Now, now it's interesting, uh, the words in this verse, um, sound mind, if you look up the biblical definition of those words, which, which don't show up anywhere else in the, in the KJV, like this is the only place you're gonna find these words used in this format. Um, you see that the definition of, of sound mind means self-control and moderation. Okay, so let's, let's remember that, and uh, let, let's, let's look at another verse now. Let's remember that that's that definition, and let's jump down to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, okay? Um, so Proverbs 
Hey, are you guys hearing a weird noise to the mic? Or is that just me that's hearing that? Okay, cool. That's fine if it's just me. I don't want it to be everybody that's hearing that. All right, so Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Okay, so uh, the word commit can be seen in several places throughout Scripture. And if you look up the definition of it, you see that two things that it can mean, that it means in this instance, is to trust and or to seek occasion. Okay, and then through further study, if you were to look up the definition of the word thoughts in this same verse, you'd find out that thoughts uh, is defined as meaning plans. Okay, so uh, what, what we read in this verse is this idea that to seek occasion with thy works, to trust thy works unto the Lord, well, that will establish your plans, okay? Um, now, if you jump down to in the, in the same proverb, Proverbs 16, but down to verse 9, you read this, Okay? A man's heart deviseth, deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Okay, so, so what I'm getting at here, in looking at these three verses, what I'm getting at here is that God has given us a spirit that includes a characteristic of self-control and moderation, right? So these are, these are traits that should be expressed of us as we operate with, the, with a sound mind, all right? So we also see that if we seek occasion for the Lord with our works, if we trust our works unto him, if we seek him first with all that we do in this life, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 has, tells us, which, which we've looked at several times now in the last couple of weeks, our plans for things can be established in such a way that the Lord will be directing our steps, okay? And if the steps we take are directed by God, the steps we take will bring him glory. As his spirit, which lives in every single believer, uh, is expressed, as these characteristics of his spirit are expressed in our lives. So my first key point in, in this message is, is this. <clears throat> Godly planning allows for self-control and his guidance to be seen in any circumstance. Godly planning allows for self-control and his guidance to be seen in any circumstance. Okay, so this is why we plan. This is why it's important to be somebody who actively plans for things um, as God directs us to. You know, what, what should our planning say about us to the rest of the world? You know, what, what should it say about us? It should say that our steps and our actions were directed by the Lord we serve. That's what our plan should reflect. What should be produced in our lives because of our willingness to plan in a godly way? Self-control and moderation. That's what, you know, that's what our plans should also reflect to the world. Okay. So let's pretend that there's, there's an elephant in the room, okay? Let's pretend that there's an elephant in the room. I, 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 I tried to get Alvaro's body posted on to this guy's body. I don't know where Alvaro's at, but I, I tried hard to do it. But I couldn't make it work, man. I'm not that good at Photoshop. Um, it was between Alvy or Brandon. And I was like, you know, I probably shouldn't put Brandon's face on that guy. But anyway, let, let's, let's pretend that there's an elephant in the room, okay? There's a full-grown elephant right over there by the door. All right? You guys picturing this elephant with me? Yes. And in, in addition to that elephant being there, there's a man on top of that elephant, okay, who's trained to ride the elephant. 
Um, he has an elephant saddle that he's sitting on atop the elephant. He has some reins to, to steer and navigate the elephant. He's got a whip to control the, the pace and the tempo of the elephant as it begins to move about. Okay, so we're picturing this now, right? So I want to ask the room a question. Um, and none of the guys from my Bible study are allowed to answer this question. Um, <clears throat> so if that elephant decides to start moving around, uh, who is in control of what that elephant does? The elephant or the guy riding the elephant? Okay. So I heard, I heard a little bit of both. Who, who, thinks, who thinks the guy? Raise your hand if you think the guy. Nice and, nice and high. Okay, we got some shy people. Who thinks the elephant? Okay, so, so the, the right answer is the elephant. It's the elephant. It's not the guy riding the elephant. A full-grown Asian elephant on average weighs 11,500 pounds. Okay, that thing can go wherever it wants. And at the point that it decides to start doing things and making movements, the only reason that guy who appears to have control of the elephant is on that elephant's back, the only thing that, that guy is doing is rationalizing what it is the elephant is doing. That's what he's there for. He's to explain the actions that the elephant is taking. If the elephant decides that he's gonna barricade through the middle of this, this crowd and knock down all these pillars and ruin the structural integrity of this room, and everybody, starts, everybody would start freaking out. We'd all be like, you know, we'd be screaming and we'd be scattering about and I'd be like, get to the chopper. Like we, we'd, we'd be trying to figure out how to get out of this room alive. Um, but that guy on that elephant, he'd be like, hey, everybody, just calm down. This is exactly what an elephant would do in this type of situation. All this chaos, a room this size, like the elephant's bound to freak out. This is all, this makes sense. It really makes sense what the elephant is doing here. Okay? This is the same sort of relationship that our flesh, our hearts, and our desires have with our minds when it comes to controlling our finances without a stable plan set in place. Okay, this is the same relationship. We are riders sitting on top of an 11,000 plus size animal pretending to be in control, explaining the rationale behind the decisions of our flesh, of our flesh based on emotions, the desires of our hearts, and the pride of our lives. We walk into a store, we scroll through Amazon, we, we buy our seventh cup of coffee at the end of the week, which, somehow, which costs like seven bucks a piece somehow. So you do the math on how much you're spending on coffee every week. Um, and, and we tell ourselves, I deserve this thing that I'm going to purchase here. I, I, I have to have it. It's mine for the taking. You know, like it, all, all the while, our minds are making, uh, making reasons up as to why it makes sense what we're doing, what we're doing. That we're, we're just rationalizing these, these irrational Decisions. We say, well, I got a raise two months ago. So it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter if I go to the grocery store with a plan in mind of what I'm going to buy at the grocery store. I'll buy whatever, whatever my, my eye sees, you know, like that, that, that'll be fine. I got that raise. I can do that. You know, we say, uh, I've been working really hard for these last couple of weeks. I know I said I wouldn't, but I'm going to eat out again for the fifth time this week. The fifth time in a row. I'm going I'm to eat out again. And then on the other the flip side of that, our mind rationalizes things as well. We say, well, I don't, I, I really didn't get the hours that I needed this week. Money's, money's actually pretty tight this month. Um, and I didn't plan for my finances otherwise. We don't always say that out loud. So it's fine if I don't tithe this month. It's fine if I don't give biblically this month. It's, it's fine if I don't give biblically the next two months. You know, I, I'm going out of town for two weeks this summer. I think 
I'll just take the, the summer off biblical giving. Um, and that's fine. I'll get back to a place where I'm comfortable with, with giving back to the Lord you know, after this time passes. And then I'll start to prioritize the Lord in my finances again. That's fine. That makes sense to me. Um, I got to take care of myself, don't I? Like with the stuff that I have. You know, and, and suddenly we see the truth of a man's heart devising its own way. And, and suddenly our plan and our actions very quickly are not reflecting anything of godliness at all. When a human doesn't earnestly, intentionally plan for their finances, their finances will control them. You'll just be rationalizing what you're doing all the time. One of the most versatile tools that God had, has entrusted all of us with has made us into tools ourselves. You know, you, and, and now you're serving it with no self-control, with no moderation. You might be operating with the spirit, you might not be operating with the spirit of fear, but you are operating with the spirit that produces idolatry um, as, you, as you worship your belongings on a daily basis, that produces variance and strife in your life as you trade in your relationship with your spouse and those around you and the Lord for mammon that produces sedition as you neglect the word of God more and more each day as you justify all the things you do, that produces wrath and envy as you look at others. And even when you got all that stuff that you just had to have, that stuff that you needed, you needed, uh, you, you still can't help but look at others and just say, why are they in the position they're in and I'm in the position I'm in, you know? Church, the, this, the spirit we operate from, that produces this conspicuous form of consumption, that, that produces this attempt at emulating the world around us, that, that encouraged Matthew to get that haircut for 100 bucks. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding bro. No, I'm kidding, bro. I'm totally kidding. I like it too, man. Like it, I like it, man. I, I, I saw that and I was like, maybe I should get tips, like my, my tips from. Um... Guys, all of these things can so easily be routed back to our lack of planning for our finances. So easily. It's like when we say, how do we get in this position? It's like you didn't plan for your finances. Don't let that happen. Don't choose to ignore the direction God has given you in exchange for your love of money and stuff. Don't give your money all that it wants. You know, my next key point is this. All that your money is capable of wanting is what you plan to want for it. That's all your money should, should be capable of, of, of getting, is, is the things that you plan on it getting for you, or for the Lord, or for, for somebody else, or whatever it may be, but, but it should only be living according to the plan that you have for it. Money doesn't have agency. It's not this thing floating about, like scheming up ways to be spent. No, that's just, that's just your flesh doing all that. So do you want what God wants for it? Do you? I mean, if the, if the answer to that question is yes, then you have to plan for it. And that means that you have to have a financial budget set in place. Otherwise, you'll be tossed to and fro with your finances every single day. That's, that's the one thing that you can plan on. If you don't have a plan for your money, plan on being tossed to and fro. You'll be in a position of not understanding how at the end of each month, even though you have plenty of income, how, you're, how you're, you're, you're yet again in that spot where it's like, how am I living paycheck to paycheck still? You know, the best comparison I can think of for explaining uh, how, this, how this works, and, and just again, by way of comparison, <clears throat> is the story of the temptation of Jesus. 
fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, which we see in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Okay, now we're not going to go read it, but just to, to uh, you know, sum, summarize this story here, we see, we see in this passage that Jesus is faced with temptation after temptation after temptation in one of his weakest physical states. Now, in facing all of that temptation directly from Satan, which was meant to throw off the plans that Jesus had for all of humanity, rather than taking all the opportunities he had to be movable in his faith, while being faced with options to give himself glory during this fast, he was instead rooted, predetermined, and immovable in his faith because of the fullness of God in him. You know, Jesus was so familiar with the word of God and, 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 and so, so, uh, so familiar with, with a relationship with God through, par- through prayer that in the face of this temptation, you know, like th- there was, it's, the temptation stood no chance to throw him off track uh, because he had budgeted his time wisely in the word of God and in prayer. The fullness of God in him was the only thing that could be expressed because of how wisely he had planned to face this type of temptation. So spending daily time in in prayer and in the word of God does this same thing for for all of us, right? We can all agree on this. If I I wake up and leave my house without having some some intimate time with the Lord by way of study and prayer, I am 99% more likely to be tossed to and fro by the world that day. In, 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 any, in any regard, like whether it's an emotional roller coaster because my coworker is, you know, difficult or something like that. I don't know. Like, it, it just could be anything. Um, having that time of intimacy with Jesus helps me to be rooted and predetermined and to, t- to say yes to things of God and no to things of Satan. Now, now this is a strategy and a principle that, that really all, like, some level of maturity of believers understand and live by. We all recommend this to the people in our lives. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a solution to, to getting, uh, to dealing with things. Well, have you, do you have daily quiet time? Do you, do you, do you pray, pray with regularity? Right? We all suggest this. So planning for our finances, and this is the comparison, will allow for this same type of strategy and process to take place but specifically in regard to our finances and resources. If you've, if, you de- if you've determined in advance how you plan to dispense your finances, then squandering them will not be something that you're able to do so carelessly. Just like we, 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 you know, spending daily time in the word prevents us from care- carelessly you know, pushing Jesus to the wayside in, in, that, in that current day. You know, just like Jesus had self-control in the wilderness by being faced with temptation, a financial budget will help express self-control and moderation in your own lives. It is a practical plan that helps us as stewards reflect the characteristics of our Lord in our finances. So, so we're, gonna, we're gonna transition to the topic of budgeting now, okay? So, so practically, budgeting is the process of creating a spending plan to manage your money. And again, what that allows you to do is determine in advance whether or not you'll have enough money to do the things you want to do, as well as the things that, or the things you need to do, as well as the things that you want to do. Okay, so budgeting can also be defined as the balancing of income against expenses. That's really all a budget is at the end of the day, as far as finances go. 
So expenses, and just to put some definitions to these buzzwords that we've been hearing throughout uh, the last couple weeks, expenses um, would be things that cost us money as opposed to income being money that we bring in. These are, these are very basic definitions. <clears throat> now again, I already explained using the picture of Jesus fasting in the wilderness, how a budget for our finances is the first step in planning for our finances or in helping us to stick to a plan that we have for our finances. But, but what's cool about a budget, which isn't something that people say very often, um, is, is that it provides a household or an individual with a holistic, like a bird's eye view of, of what's going on in their financial life, which a lot of people don't realize is very helpful to have. It's a direct way for us to take account of ourselves, which as, as a Christian, it's an, that's an important principle to continually be accounting of ourselves in preparation for the accounting for ourselves at the judgment seat. Right? And, I, and I know that that doesn't exactly sound like fun to be taking account of ourselves, um, but guys, it holds for us the better outcome. Right? And that's the thing about like, a lot of what God tells us to do. It doesn't, it's, it's not always fun in the moment we're doing it to do the work of the Lord, but it, it, it always holds for us the better outcome when, when we've done it in obedience. So, so far today, guys, um, so far today, we've talked about how God does want his people to plan for things, Right? We've talked about that. And he wants to direct the steps of those plans, and he wants the outcome of those plans to produce a sound mind in his people. But he doesn't just want us to come up with those plans in our minds. He doesn't. Um, the Bible clearly teaches that we should be writing our plans down. And, and we, we see this is the case for, for a lot of reasons, but um, we're going to cover three reasons, three biblical reasons that we should be writing our plans our plans out. So three biblical reasons for writing out our plans. Uh, the first one, writing down your plan gives clarity for the plan in your mind. <clears throat> and, and when we have clarity in our plans, when we have clarity, ambiguity to go off track gets eliminated. Okay. Habakkuk. Is that how you, am I saying that right? Habakkuk, chapter two, verse two. Let me, Drink this water real quick. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two says, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. Okay, so what's literally being talked about in this section of scripture is the importance for a prophet of God to write down uh, the vision he's been given for the sake of avoiding types of ambiguity. Like this is, this is what's being talked about here. To avoid mistakes and corruption that can easily take place when we've only thought up plans in our minds. We must write these things down and reduce it to certainty. Make the plans plainly known and plainly preservable. All right, was it not the written word, the, the, the plan and permission of King Cyrus that, that allowed mighty men of God like Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah to carry out the reconstruction of Jerusalem? Okay, that, that written decree allowed all the attempts of the enemy to corrupt and create ambiguity in God's plan to fall by the wayside. Time and time again, they kept going back to this written plan. And they'd be like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess these guys are allowed to do this. It was made plain upon the tables. The same practical thing can be true of your finances 
when you write your budget out. It'll, it'll erase this ambiguity in our mind that allows us to rationalize running through pillars in a small room, okay? The second reason writing out your plan um, gives you vision for the future, which is a very important thing to have for people who are trying to walk with the Lord is to have vision for the future. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So I'll try to make this point practical. Um, you know, something I've been doing sort of as like a side ministry for the last few years is I've been helping young people your age, all of our ages, uh, make simple budgets, which is what we're going to be doing tonight as well. Um, <clears throat> and, and this, you know, so I've been doing this here and there for years now. And time and time again, something that happens is at the end of the budgeting process being done, there's large portions of income for that person that, that just can't be accounted for. Uh, they don't know where it's at. They don't know where it went. I've heard multiple people say, I don't understand how based off all my income and my current expenses, how, how my budget's telling me I should have $1,500 left over at the end of each month, but I've never had that. I don't get it. I'm not, in, I'm not saving any money and I'm not investing anything, so, so where's it at? And they look at me and they're like, where's it at, Nick? <laughs> I'm like, man. And... Um, you know, the answer to that question is always this. Well, you've been, you've been spending your money without any vision. You've been spending your money without any plan or any law for your income, and now your written budget has shown you that, and you're not happy about it. It's not my fault, right? This is an example of what can easily happen we, when we do not shepherd what God's entrusted to us. You know, if a shepherd is not giving direction to, to the flock of sheep in the field, that flock is going to scatter about and go missing, that's what's going to happen. There's, there's no reason, if, if we know plainly the vision for our finances, that we shouldn't actually be able to account for nearly every dollar we spend. And that's not like a radical thing to say. It's like, how? How could I possibly know where every dollar is going? It's like, is, do you have somebody, like is somebody else taking your money and spending it for you? Because if not, you're spending all of it. So, I mean, what do you mean you can't figure out where every bit of it's going? This is an example, again, of, of what can easily happen in our finances. Just like we see in the parable of the talents when the master comes back to, to collect his return on investment. And there's that one guy who, who didn't do anything with, with his, his talent. He hid it in the ground, and um, he gets a really harsh judgment for that, right? Like the master is not pleased. Well, I can't help but imagine the one worst thing that he could have done, aside from just giving him the one talent back, is being like, okay, so master... Listen, uh, I don't know where that talent's at. I thought I buried it over here, and then I checked there, and it wasn't there, so I went to my second spot, and it wasn't there. <sighs> what do you think happened to it, master? We got to figure out what happened to your money, right? <laughs> like, God does not give us all that he gives us for us to lose track of it above all else. He doesn't. He gives it to us to use it for his glory. And we're losing track of it completely along the way. The third reason to write down your plans is that writing out your plans solidifies your plan. So you follow it. Ezekiel 43 verse 11 says, And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the forms of the house and the fashion thereof and the goings out thereof and the comings in thereof 
and all the forms thereof, and all the ordinances thereof, and all the forms thereof, and all the laws thereof, and write it in their sight, that they may keep the whole form thereof, and all the ordinances thereof, and do them. So to really simplify what's going on here is God is using Ezekiel to remind the Israelites of the way that they defiled his house, the temple. And after doing that, he says, look, if they're ashamed about what they've been reminded of, and if they're embarrassed about how gracious I'm choosing to be with them, tell them they don't have to be. They don't have to be ashamed, and they don't have to be embarrassed. Because there's a new plan that's being set in place, and it's, and it's going to be established. And I want you to show them every single aspect of that plan. And I want it to be written down in their sight. And going forward, this is what they're going to act according to. And, and they, can, you know, they can be happy about that because I'm with them in that plan. I'm going to be directing their steps in that plan as the devising of their hearts get pushed aside. God knows that writing down a plan gives clarity and that it gives needed vision. But he also knows that without these cl- this clarity and this needed vision, that oftentimes people are not going to do the things they say they're going to do. And I think if we're real honest with ourselves, we can all probably quickly think of an example of something we've said yeah, I'm going to do that thing that we just haven't done. You know, like, I don't know, maybe if some of us wrote down a plan for memorizing our verses in discipleship, instead of just saying to our discipler after we've messed them up again, next week I'm going to get it, you know? And this isn't reflective of, like, anybody I've discipled. I'm just, I, I, I'm sure, I, surely I said that at one point. I don't know. But, but look, maybe we should write out a plan for these things, right? Maybe... Maybe had Peter got it down in writing that he would never betray Jesus, uh, maybe he would have followed through with those words. But all he did was say it out loud so everybody around him could hear it. Uh, and, And what did he do? He betrayed Jesus. Yes, he betrayed Jesus. And even a better example is the fact that God has given us an entire written word and a plan for us to live according to. He's made it plain upon the tables for us. And, uh, you know, like, th- this, is, this is what he expects us to follow. He's, he's, he's practicing what he preaches. He's made it plainly known to, to follow accordingly. And, and, like, honestly, has the word of God solidified his plan for your life uh, in, in, in your own mind? Has it? God, God gives us a lot of reasons to be writing things out, doesn't he? Even if it's on a napkin, right? Ask our Pastor Sam about that. You know, like... Look, look at the results of, of, of his godly planning uh, this morning. Like, there, there's reason to be, to be writing out our plans. My, my next key point is this. You cannot serve God in your finances without a written plan for them. Without vision for how God, or for how you will steward what God has given you, you will not effectively serve God with all that he's given you. Here and there, Maybe. Right? Here and there, yeah, maybe, maybe we will. Maybe we'll make like, a decision that glorifies God. And, I, and I'm sure we'll pat ourselves on the back for it when we do it. Right? And we'll go to Bible study and we'll, we'll include it in our praise uh, report before we get into study. And I'm not mocking those things. Like, it's good that we're doing it here and there. But, but you know, like, God doesn't want here and there from us exclusively. He wants here and now and before and after. He wants obedience from us in all aspects of our lives all the time. And he doesn't expect perfection, but he expects better than here and there. I mean, surely. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. 
says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Okay, so Paul's calling the ministry he's doing his vocation. And, and it should be viewed that way to any follower of Christ as well. It's, you know, I'm, I'm bivocational as far as I can tell. Like I do my real job and I also, or not my, not, not real job as in this one's not real. I do both my real jobs. Um, this is the one that gives me treasure in heaven. Um, and like he calls it a vocation and in, in, your, in your day jobs, in your career jobs, if you walked into your boss's office once a week on Wednesday and said, hey boss, just wanted to give you an update. Today I did my job well. I can't say much about Monday or Tuesday and I'm not quite sure about Thursday or Friday, but today, man, I did my job perfect. All right, thanks for keeping me hired. See you later, boss. He'd, he'd stop you right there and he'd call you in. He'd be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Come back in here. You can't be doing your job one out of five days a week and expect to keep this job. You're fired, man. You're fired. You know, and Paul says, um, the prisoner of the Lord. That's how he refers to himself in this verse. And it's not a punishment to be a prisoner of the Lord. It's, 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 it's actually freedom from, bring, from being a prisoner to everything else. It's freedom to trust, to serve. And in our finances, it's freedom to leverage our finances for him. And again, have the better outcome because of it. So seriously, like if you guys don't have a financial budget, you, you, you should have one. Like as young adults, you should have one. Um, Larry Smith, another, uh, I think Sam called him uh, a seasoned saint, right? Or a seasoned minister. He's, he's an older guy here. And he, he makes this budget that he's made available to everybody. And it's, it's just an outline for a budget. And it's what we're going to be using at the budgeting workshop tonight. And it's, it's what I use for, for my household budget. And it's super easy. All the fields are there for you. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Don't be afraid because the word Excel got said. You guys got to learn how to use it eventually. It's not hard. And you just plug the numbers in. You get all your income, all your expenses. That's everything you spend money on from, from a rent to a mortgage to a car payment to insurance to debt that you owe, whatever it may be. And this is what those of you coming to the workshop tonight need to bring, including your annual income. Um, and you just plug it into the right spot. It takes an hour, maybe, maybe an hour and a half, okay, if, if you are being, like, extra meticulous, which isn't a bad thing. Um, so, you know, one last promotion of the budgeting workshop tonight. If you have income and expenses and you do not have a budget and you're saying, I'll do it later, you're being a bad steward, there's going to be a space opened up for you. If you're available to come and, and be led through a budget, we're not going to be spilling our beans about how we're bad with our finances here. We're just going to be entering numbers in a guided, like, format. So um, sign up. Now, my wife's going to drop a link into the WhatsApp chat right now, and you can have your last chance to sign up. You can sign up right before, too, but it wouldn't be great for us as far as the planning that we have to be doing. Okay. And also, guys, if you don't have income and expenses, you don't need to come to this tonight. It's not the space for just, like, questions about a budget. Like, we're going to be doing the budget top to bottom. So um, if you don't have income or expenses, you should go get a job tonight. That's what you should be focusing on. <laughs> And that's, that's a good thing, too. There's nothing funny or dishonorable about that. Like, go, go find a job. It's a good thing to do that. Um, okay, now what's going to be revealed in doing this budget is an honest account of your financial state. And I think probably a lot of you practically are in a really good spot to find out what your financial state is right now. 
um, to become proactive with your finances rather than reactive five years down the road after you've made some really bad decisions. And like the thing that I want to uh, express clearly about, about our financial situations is for young people who are just getting their career income or on the verge of doing that, maybe you've got hired this week and you know what your income's supposed to be. You got a salary or something. Um, I can't make this clear enough. What's really important is that as a believer, that you don't lock yourself into a certain uh, monthly expense that you have to be paying prior to having figured out how to prioritize God with your finances, okay? You don't want to do that. You don't want to get in that position where, you, you know, for you, a budget is, is now entering all of your expenses, all of your income, and then being in situations like, I got no room to do nothing, and I'm locked into these payments for a good long while, so I guess this is my budget for now. Like, you can get in front of that, and I recommend that you do. You can familiarize yourself with the finances of your own household, and before being at that point where you've locked yourself into monthly expenses, you can, you can have mobility to completely prioritize the Lord in the way that makes sense for you to do that, and then t- to find you know, expenses that, uh, that you're going to have to take on at some point, one way or another, if you plan to live a productive adult life. Um, but you can, you can work those around uh, God's will over your finances. Um, it doesn't have to be a matter of, all right, now everything's in here. Can I afford to give biblically? Uh, not really, but like, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. I think there's always probably space where you can afford to do that. But, um, you know, it's important that we begin glorifying God with our finances before structuring our lives in a way where it's difficult for us to do that. Now, some of us will find out from our budgets that we're in a great spot. And man, praise God for that, if that's you. Uh, Others will find out that we're living beyond our means. That's what some of us will find out inevitably. And we'll have to decide on some, making some changes, either minor changes or some really major changes. Um, we'll have to consider things about ourselves. This is, this is, again, that taking account of ourselves process. Like whether or not we've been looking at things that we want in life and calling them needs and then putting all our money towards that. You know, the first time Hannah and I ever did a budget together was four months after we were married, I think. Uh, and this was nearly five years ago, <clears throat> and um, we, we, were, we had plenty of income for the bills we had, and we were like, you know, why are we, it felt like we were just barely getting by every month. And I was like, why the heck is this the case? Like, we need to do a budget today. Let's drop, let's cancel our plans, and let's, let's stay home and do a budget. And Hannah was psyched about that, obviously. <laughs> um, so we do our budget from top to bottom, okay? And what, it, what, what we find out is that we are spending 450 to $600, somewhere in that range, each month on eating out and coffee. And this is why I go so ham on coffee, okay? Um, yeah, we find that out, and I'm just like, what in the world? What in the world? That's how much that costs for us to be doing that? So, like, in that moment, we just decided to make a change. We're like, all right, enough of this. This is miserable. Let's, let's on top of Tuesday night prayer, let's eat out once a week for the next many seasons of our lives. And also, let's limit ourselves to one coffee a week in addition to that one eating out. And otherwise, we get all this coffee in the house, we get all this grocery, these groceries that we're buying on top of all this food we're eating out on. Let's just, let's just use that stuff that we're spending our money on, and let's re- restrict ourselves from doing this, this stuff that we want to do, the stuff that was enhancing our lives as we were doing it. And uh, that changed our finances immensely for you know, all the way up until now, like we, we loosely still hold to those, those rules and 
uh, but we've afforded ourselves some space to do that. Um, the key for many of us, guys, in making godly adjustments to our finances will begin with understanding that God wants us to operate from a place of monetary contentment, okay? And this is our last topic for the day. And monetary contentment begins with properly differentiating between needs and wants in our lives. We have to be able to do that if we're going to be managing our finances for the rest of our lives. So again, some definitions here. Needs are necessities to live and function. This is food, clothing, and shelter. Wants are belongings that can improve quality of life but are not needed, okay? These are the difference. The only thing the only things that aren't wants are food, clothing, and shelter, unless we have those things in excess. Like, we don't need four houses, right? We just need, you know, we need one, one good shelter. Um, some people have two, whatever. I'm not, not dogging on your lake house. Okay. Um, but you guys remember Matthew chapter 6? It's been a second since we looked at it, right? Let's, let's pull up Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 33 here. Just these two verses. Matthew 6, 31 says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Need, or what shall we drink? Need, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Need. And then he goes on in verse 33 to say, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Say with me, Kiah, and all these things shall be added unto you. Awesome. Okay, so, so when I think about biblical finances, and I've said this, this is always my anchor verse because it reminds me of what I need to be prioritizing at the top of my budget in order to glorify God with my finances and move forward without having to stress about whether or not my needs are gonna be met. Now, if we don't see God's words here for what they are, what we do is we lose focus of monetary contentment. We lose focus of that altogether. We start looking at God and, and saying, you know what, you gotta give me my wants and my needs, okay? We start saying, your, your promise should have been this. <clears throat> um, and, and this is the beginning of covetousness ruling us, all right? And we remember that word from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And what happens then is the, the, filthiness, the filthiness of our flesh spills over, and we start thinking things like, well, so-and-so has that. I want that too. Well, such-and-such such is, is getting this. It doesn't matter if they have a completely situation in me that God's given them different things than me. I want that for myself, so let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15, which says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Okay, if we don't heed to this warning, then we aren't content monetarily. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such, such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God's not going to not provide for you if you're prioritizing him. He's made this promise to you. So in terms of our finances, we have to learn to be okay with having the Lord meet our needs and not our wants all the time. And again, this is not a punishment. If we weren't such materialistic creatures, we'd be celebrating this promise from God every single day with joy. Like we would. Instead, though, we fix our eyes on the blessings. We're not looking at God. We're looking at the stuff, the things that we can hold on to, the things that we want to have in our possession. And we're taking our eyes off the blesser. We're just looking at the blessings. We're looking away from the Lord. We're looking at the stuff that's in front of us. 
And uh, you know, what that, what's, what's revealed of us in that, in that moment is our wants, our, our want for things that's driven by covetousness is far greater than our need for him. That's what's revealed as we start to let covetousness rule our thoughts and our minds and our desires for stuff. It's God's not that important. All this, this you know, non-permanent temporary stuff is important. The normal idea of contentment often gets thought of as just being okay with the way things are. All right, I'm good with the way things are. I can be content. But, but the thing about monetary contentment is we have to be okay with giving things up, okay? We have to be okay with saying, okay, I'm content with no longer having this be something that's in my life. You know, th- th- there's a difference here. We have to be okay with giving things up. We see in the story of the rich young ruler <clears throat> in Luke 18, verses 18 through 30. Okay, and again, we're not gonna look at this. We're just gonna paraphrase here. But we, there's this, this guy, a, a rich young ruler, that comes to Jesus with the question, what shall I do to in- inherit eternal life? That's his question. And Jesus tells this young man, he says, hey, you do everything that you're supposed to do. You do everything you're supposed to do except you value too highly your treasure on earth. Okay, so sell your belongings and give them to those who are in need. And in doing this, you're gonna find true treasure in heaven. All right, which is, okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, Jesus. But this guy, this young man's response is not to uh, agree with it. It's to be sorrowful because he's rich and he wants to store his stuff up. He wants to make himself a kingdom on earth. Um, so Jesus' response to that is, is this. It's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Right? It's hard to get the intention of somebody who's got everything for themselves when their wants and needs are, are provided for in their own right. <clears throat> this guy couldn't be content with giving up all the wants he had obtained. His mindset was, this stuff is mine. Tell me I need to give it up. Like, no way, Jose. You know, like he's, he, he's, he, he, was, he was a poor steward. He was a poor steward. Like what's, what's revealed about the rich young ruler is he was a poor steward. He confused oversight with ownership. So, so going back to the topic of budgets, something we have to be prepared to ask ourselves as we do these budgets and, and, and start to get into the nitty gritty of our finances is can you give some of your wants up in life to create space to prioritize God in your finances? We gotta ask ourselves that question. And, and, and I'm not saying that God expects us to want nothing in life, okay? I, I've, I've, I've very little talked about like getting stuff we want throughout the last three weeks. Uh, and that's because it's, it's, it's prioritized last in my messages because that's where it should be prioritized in our lives is last. Like our wants should be prioritized last. We can, we can want stuff, okay? We can want stuff as Christians. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 19 says, God gives us a portion, oh, I'm sorry, says, every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Okay, so a portion of what we, we get from the Lord like can be, can be enjoyed. We can take enjoyment in it. We can rejoice in our labor. We can re- rejoice in the fruits of it and, and we can enjoy the good of it altogether. We can want stuff and we can take part in our wants and not have to be just convicted about it to the bone up until the point that we've prioritized those wants before the Lord, before we've prioritized our wants before everything else that we've looked at in scripture uh, since, since two weeks ago. 
at the point that we're seeking first the things of ourselves and our own righteousness, at that point, well, based on what God says, based on every single thing that we've looked at in, in this, this series of sermons, I think it's fair to say that he's not liable to make sure our needs are met. Like, he, I, don't, I don't think he actually is. He's already reconciled us to the Lord, if you've given your life to him. He's already met the need by way of his death, burial, and resurrection. The need's been met. That's the thing we truly need in life. So if we choose to live for ourselves entirely after that, well, that's, that's on us. That's on you and me and, and every single one of us. That's our decision to, to make. You know, someone, someone should have told that rich young ruler, and, and we ourselves need to be reminded of it with regularity, what uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. <clears throat> and having food and raiment, food and clothing, needs, let us therewith be content. You know, let, let us be reminded that this life is but a vapor. It's but a vapor. And to, and to live a life in pursuit of wealth and belongings or to live a life purposefully wasting God's resources and having nothing to show for it will direct every single one of us to fruitlessness. That's, what, that's the direction we're headed. It'll direct us to personal dissatisfaction. It'll put your future home into a place of absolute disarray. It'll be, become a generational sin in the life of your children. And you'll pass this on to your spouse. And you'll pass it on to your disciples. You will reproduce this, this horrible aspect of your flesh in somebody that you're investing in. You'll pass it on. And at the end of it all, it's going to land you in a really harsh judgment seat. Right? And that alone is reason enough to to begin stewarding the things that God has given us from a position of faith, from a position that says, I want to glorify you with everything you've given me. Now is the time for the sake of the rest of the time that we have left to minister to, to begin to steward our finances in a biblical way. Where we're at, whether it's I don't have anything to steward yet or I'm a couple years into this or I'm a decade into this, whatever it may be, now is the time to begin stewarding your finances in a biblical way. Not next week, not next month, not one more year of doing whatever you want with your finances, but with immediacy. Don't be that rider on top of that elephant rationalizing to everyone around you why it is you're doing what you're doing, okay? At the end of the day, what you're doing is creating chaos, and it's clearly seen, like that your, your excuses are not, are not getting through. And, 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 and good luck rationalizing those actions to the Lord at the judgment seat. Okay, he's going to say, well, hey, listen, he's going to cut you off and say, did you read my plan for you? Did you read the thing that I wrote down for you? Okay, because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of evidence that you did. And, and like, look, man, I'm not, I, you, don't, you don't need any rewards from me up here. Like, you rewarded yourself enough down there on earth. You prioritized your wants before everything else. It was at the top of your list. And uh, I hope it was nice because now it's all gone. Lucky for us, Jesus didn't choose to do that when we, when we picked him up and put him on a cross. Like lucky for us, the Lord that we serve was of, of sound mind, that he, was, that he was a person of self-control and moderation. My last key point, guys, is, is this. Monetary contentment in a steward's finances 
is reflected in what they are willing to give up for the sake of prioritizing the Lord. Monetary contentment in a steward's finances is reflected in what they are willing to give up for the sake of prioritizing the Lord. Okay, it's a part of that self-control, that, that self-sacrifice that's talked about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Are, are you willing, believer, to give up some things in your life to glorify the Lord? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to plan for the allocation of your finances so that you don't have to operate with them or so that you can operate with them from the position of having a sound mind? So that the Lord can direct your path so that you aren't led by the devising of your own heart any longer? Kaya, okay. Look, like you, we are all, I'm included in this. We are all a group of young believers who, who are afforded so much opportunity because of what's intentionally been poured into us. Like, like we, can, we have potential because of, what the, because of the investments that have been made into our lives to do great things for the Lord with the time that we have left. You know, and in light of, of, of Ben's sister, just um, like, we, you know, we, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not. Like Sam, Sam is absolutely right. Um, we, we've got a certain amount of time left. And we have potential to do great things because of what's been invested into us. If we choose to not compartmentalize the Lord in any of these areas of our lives, our finances included, but everything that we've talked about related to stewardship since the beginning of spring retreat, like here we are at the end of this, this stewardship series. Um, and, and man, like if you choose to seek the Lord first in every area of your life, like we as a ministry will be more fruitful. We will be as a group of believers endeavoring in the mission, like we'll be more fruitful. And I get it, like, a lot of us are like, man, we're already fruitful. It's like, yeah, but we'll be more fruitful than we've ever been even up until this point. And that's really what all of this stewardship talk has been about. God has made it plainly known to us that if we pay attention to all the technicalities of our everyday lives, from our jobs to being good students to managing our quiet time to getting good sleep to the management of our finances that as, as individuals and collectively, this fellowship will bring great gain to his kingdom in a way that we haven't up until this point. Like church plants will come out of this room. In, in three, four years time, we could easily have over 100 Bible studies in Kansas City. Like we could win Kansas City to Christ like we like to say. We could actually do that. And, and it's not so we can look back and like, like we, shouldn't, we shouldn't have vision for these things so we can look back and say, man, look at all we've done, right? It's, it's so we can look at the Lord and say, say God, like look at, look at how when we paid attention to what you said, when we took our eyes off ourselves and when we stewarded all of these technical areas of our lives well, look at, look at what you used us to do, Lord. Like we can, it, can, it can be that response. Now is the time to put these things into action in our lives, okay? Uh, worship team, if you want to come up here, whoever's closing us out in worship. Um, look, guys, we're, we're, we're at the end of it. So, so I think, you know, we're going to have a, a team up here for an invitation if you want to come up and if you want to pray about anything that we've talked about over the last three weeks, um, anything at all. Like, now's the time to come do that. Um, and man, if you, don't, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't understand the sacrifice that he made for you, uh, but you're here in this room today and you've heard, you've heard something that sparked like 
a, a, a desire to further understand. Now is the time for you to come up and ask these questions. You're invited to do that. We want to just share the gospel with you. We want to answer your questions. We don't care to make you make any decisions, so that it does not have to be something you have to worry about. Um, but for everybody else, Kyle, like as we close out of this stewardship series and, and gear up for getting back into Corinthians with Pastor Briscoe, um, I think it makes sense that if you don't have to rush out for you to have a, a season of prayer with the person that you're, you're sitting next to, okay? Um, and just, like, you know, let's, let's tell God how we plan on being used by him, right? Let's tell him how, how that's a part of our plan, you know? The things that we've learned about, we want to use those things to bring him glory, and we don't want to put those things off. We want to enact them now. Um, yeah, let's tell him how we plan on being used for him, and let's, let's thank him for all of what he's provided us to navigate life, like as good stewards, and that we can trust the promises he's given to us because of it. Um, I'll see some of you tonight at the budgeting workshop. It's going to be a good time. I'm going to pray us out. God, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Uh, God, I'm grateful for these last couple weeks. And um, God, I just, I just pray that, uh, that we would use what you've, what you've given us, that we'd use every aspect of it, that we'd apply it, that we'd be thoughtful, that we would be uh, you know, prepared to, to, to approach life in a godly way, to not be tossed to and fro, but to be immovable in our faith as we, as we move towards you uh, every single day. Um, God, I pray we'd be changed and that there'd be fruit from, from everything we've talked about since spring retreat and thereon. So um, God, we love you in Jesus' name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.com.